Chapters twenty seven and twenty eight of Miss Ashton's New Pupil by Mrs. S. S. Robbins. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Abigail Rasmussen in January two thousand and twelve. Chapter twenty seven Christmas in the Academy. Marion, two days before Christmas, was once more left alone in her room. The Rock Cove cousins had given her the most cordial invitation to go home with them for the vacation, but she had declined. In doing so, she had a half-acknowledged feeling that she was to suffer just penance for her misdeeds at Belden, and a dread of what unknown trouble she might meet at Rock Cove. This eastern world was so different from the whole-hearted, kindly one she had left behind her, that instead of wanting to it, she grew timid, diffident of herself even among the girls, and shy about venturing abroad. So she made her mind up bravely to stay where she was, and spend her vacation in study. Miss Ashton fully approved, for since Marion's sickness with her cold, she had shown an inclination to cough, and was often hoarse in the morning. A stay by the seaside in winter would be to run a risk. It might be dull for her to remain, but she loved her books, and there was plenty for her to do in order to keep up with her advanced classes. Besides, there were twenty of the pupils whose homes were so distant they could not go there, and return, without taking more time than the vacation allowed. So they also were to remain, and Marion, though dull, need not be lonely. All the teachers, but Fräulein Sossmann, were to be absent, and to her care Miss Ashton had to commit the young ladies during the vacation. The wheels of the carriage that took her away from the academy had hardly ceased to be heard by the anxious listeners there, before Marion's door was opened just far enough to admit the Fräulein's good-natured face. Never had her ample head of light hair looked so large, her blue eyes so blue, her nose so retroussé, or her thin lips so thin to Marion as now. Before she had time to welcome her, the Fräulein said in her high-pitched voice, "'Oh, Marion, we're happiness. Time we're have de Christog. We have de bomb so high,' holding up a plump little hand, as high as she could reach, Twenty dirty das Licht. Christog presented beautiful. You have one, seven, twelve, four. You come, happiness?' Nicht cry, nicht, nicht, lachen so, and a merry peal of laughter Marion found no trouble in echoing. You come parlor Christog night, you see, I, Santa Claus, merry Christog, catch you, nicht cry, lachen, lachen. She shut the door softly, but Marion heard her laugh as she went down the long corridor, such a merry, contagious laugh that it carried away with it the loneliness from Marion's room. There was to be a gathering in the parlor, then. De Baum, twenty, thirty, das Licht, and what else? Of one thing Marion felt sure, if she was to receive one, seven, twelve, four presents, she must give some in return. But what, and to whom? She was not long in doubt. Lily White was among those who remained, and the Fräulein had hardly gone, when she made her appearance with four other girls at the door. We, Fräulein Marion, ob alio expectas alteri quod feceris. That's French, Latin, and German. I picked it out of... Don't tell, Lily White, broke in one of the girls. See if Marion can translate it. 
come in and let me try, said Marion, laughing. We, yes. Fräulein, Miss Marion. Ab alio expectas, alteri quod feceris. If anyone gives you a present, be sure you give one back. A literal translation, said the same girl. Miss Jones always said you were her best Latin scholar. Practically, however, it translates, Come with us to Lily White's room, and we'll show you a thing or two. But we mustn't all go together. If we do, the Fräulein will be popping down on us to be sure no mischief is brewing. I'll tell you what I'll do. I will write in German, No admittance, on a big placard, and put it outside my door. What is the German girl's? Nicht Zulasang, said one of the girls promptly. Write it, Lily, in a big, bold hand. They went together to Lily's room, and she took a large square of pasteboard, and without deigning to ask how the words were spelled, she printed in big letters, Not Sularsen. There, she said, turning it triumphantly for the others to read. Then she hung it on the outside of the door, moved a table to the door, planted a chair upon it, mounted into the chair, and peeped down through the transom to watch for the Fräulein's coming. The others watched her, and all business for the time was suspended. Pretty soon they heard the pattering of the Fräulein's little feet along the corridor, then the sudden halting before the door. Lily, with a beet-red face and frantic gestures of two big red hands, motioned them to be still. They heard, N-O-T-T. T. Z. Hm. A significant grunt. Then again, N. O. T. T. Z. A pause. Again, N. O. T. T. Z. U. L. L. A. R. S. G. Hindustani? No. Indiany. Marion Parkey! Then a little laugh, followed by, Marion, Marion, open de door. What you mean, not ulsarung? No admittance, said Lily White through the transom. Why, Fräulein, don't you know your German? No, my German, repeated the Fräulein slowly. No, my own German. Nin, nin, German, Lily White, nin Vaterland. Lily White, open de third quickest. My own German, nin, nin, nin. Marion Parks, Indiany. It was some moments before Lily, the chair, and the table could be removed from the door, the Fräulein keeping up a series of impatient knocks while she waited. Then Marion, as the one in whom she would feel the greatest confidence, was pushed to the small opening aloud and told to say, "'It's Christmas almost, dear Fräulein. "'It's secrets here now. "'We can't let you in.' "'Indiany?' asked the Fräulein, pointing to the placard. "'What you mean, Marion?' "'It was meant to mean no admittance in German, Fräulein.' "'Such funny little shrieks as the Fräulein uttered. "'No one could understand, not even Marion, "'who was looking in her face.' There were anger and fun and amazement chasing each other in quick succession, her hands beating time to each feeling as an instrument utters its music to the touch. To the amazement of all, it ended in the Fräulein shrieking out, Lily White, you be a... Uh, 
you call him? Dar, Thor, Nar, Dumkoff, Fool, Idiot! You know German nicht, nicht, you idiot! In these hard words, the little German teacher's anger wholly vanished. Pulling down the placard, she tore it in bits, gathered them up in her small white apron, made a sweeping curtsy, and trotted away. As soon as she was fairly out of hearing, the girls began to busy themselves about their Christmas work. Lily White's room was full of things to be made into pretty gifts for the tree, of which the Fräulein's share was by far the largest. There is a wonderful degree of thoughtfulness among a company of girls. Not one there but knew of Marion's circumstances, and how impossible it would be for her, out of her slender purse, to meet the demands of the occasion. If Gladys Philbrick had generously helped her to prepare the pretty gifts, which were on their way to her far-away home, so these girls as generously planned that in the Fräulein's festival she should not find herself in the embarrassing position of being the one who should receive without making a return. It was beautiful to see the delicacy with which they managed the whole, so that Marion hardly felt how much they gave and how pleasantly she received. On Christmas morning the whole house was early astir, all up and down the corridors, long before the dim light penetrated into them. White-robed figures flitted noiselessly from door to door. "'Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas!' was whispered inside, until a ghost-like procession of some twenty girls headed for the Fräulein's room. This was at the end of the second corridor, and as they approached it not a sound was to be heard from within but the satisfactory one of long and loud snores. It had been agreed, on the previous night, that not a door should be locked on the inside, and Helen Stratton, the cute girl who could do anything she tried to do, was chosen to open this door. This she did so noiselessly that the whole twenty girls entered the room and surrounded the Fräulein's bed without so much as interrupting a single snore. Then, all at once, a merry chorus broke out with, "'Merry Christmas! Merry Christmas, Fräulein!' The Fräulein stirred in her bed. Then another shout, louder than the first, and she sat bolt upright. The gas in the hall had been lighted, and stole in through the transom, sufficiently to give the ghost-like look the girls sought. But even with this, she was slow in comprehending what was happening." One more shout, and she sprang out of bed, catching the one nearest to her, and giving her a good, hard shaking. De Christoch! De Christoch! Frolic! Why not frolic? I wishes you arpy Christoch! What you call it? Merry Christmas! shouted the girls. Ah, yeah, yeah, Merry Christmas! One Merry Christmas, a thousand Merry Christmases! Now you go dress, Miss Ashton say, Fräulein, the young ladies take cough. You catched me, I catched you to nacht. You see, good nacht, good nacht. And like a very small queen in her pretty nightdress, she waved the girls away, then locked the door. If they had come back only a few minutes later, they would have heard the same musical sounds coming from her bed. But when the day had fairly dawned, it would have been difficult to find a more wide-awake, alert teacher than the Fräulein, or one that could have given a truer and pleasanter Christmas day and night. 
End of chapter 27 Chapter 28 Fräulein's Gymnastics Fräulein, can you have prayers for the young ladies in the small reception room on Christmas morning? Miss Ashton asked, with much hesitation the day before leaving. Ja, ja, answered the Fräulein, all smiles and nods. Very well, then, I will give the notice to-night. As Christmas is a religious festival, I shall be glad to have a religious as well as a festival observation of it. As for the matter of going to church, the young ladies can do as they please. There need be nothing compulsory about it. I misstand, and the Fräulein congratulated herself on her correct English. All wrong. Nin, nin all. <laughs> right, said Miss Ashton, laughing. We, oui, ja, to tank, tanks. I learn English soon. Patient da, Fräulein Ashton, I learn soon by and by. In compliance with this request, after a hasty Christmas breakfast, the girls assembled in the reception room and waited with more curiosity than devotion the coming of the Fräulein. She had not been down to breakfast, and when she made her appearance now, it was as if an odd-shaped swan was waddling into the room. From head to foot she was dressed in a fluffy white stuff that stood out all over her like snow feathers. A stifled laugh greeted her, but of this she took no notice. Walking slowly to the table that had been prepared for her, she turned a solemn face toward the girls, opened a German prayer book, and began to read the service for Christmas morning, stopping when she came to the places for the chant, and motioning to her audience to rise and join her. She sang, in sweet tones, music familiar to the girls, in which, with the English words they were accustomed to, they all joined. Then down she fell upon her knees, the others following her example, and with her eyes half shut, and her little hands folded reverently upon her prayer book, she rattled off prayer after prayer with astonishing rapidity. Now, though the young ladies had come in anything but a solemn frame, of mind, which the Fräulein's droll appearance was not calculated to change, there was something so devotional, almost solemn, in her rapidly changing expression of face, that they became at once and unconsciously devout. Dropping on their knees and covering their faces, they joined her amens with hushed voices, and into their susceptible hearts the hallowing influence of the religious festival found ready entrance. They were hardly prepared to see the Fräulein spring lightly upon her feet, to hear a merry laugh ring out, and, "'Good morgen, good morgen,' spoken with the accompaniment of a cloud of white batting that flew off from her arms and shoulders as she laughed. Queer little Fräulein, but good and kind as she was queer. All day long she worked indefatigably alone in the big parlor. Not one of the girls was allowed even so much as a peep within the doors. The day was a rarely fine one for a New England Christmas. The sun shone out of a cloudless sky. A warm south wind blew gently over the deep snowdrifts. Little sparrows hopped delightedly upon the branches of the Norway spruces that grew close to the house, lifted their pretty wings as if to coax the wind and sun while they chirped their cheerful Christmas carols, stole the late berries from the trees, and twisted their round heads so they could send loving glances up to the bevy of pretty girls that watched and smiled down upon them as they fed them from their windows. At seven o'clock the gong was sounded, 
and the young ladies in gala dresses filed into the bright parlor. In the center of the room was a large tree. Near it stood the Fräulein, smiling and curtsying to each one as she entered. A quaint little figure she was, yet with all her quaintness there was enough of dignity to suppress any merriment her appearance might have caused. The number and variety of these gifts was a marvel to them. When they were fairly distributed, the Fräulein lifted the cover of an unopened box and took from it a gift for every teacher. Good, happy Fräulein, not a thoughtful word or a kind act from these to you, strangers in a strange land, but you have treasured in your homesick heart, and from the Fauteur land you bring to them all today your grateful recognition of it all. Perhaps the happiest of them was the lame Nellie, who, yet weak and pale from her sickness, had with the Fräulein's consent brought to the Christmas tree little pictures which she had painted in her convalescence as gifts to them all. She held tight to Marion's hand. In some way, she could not have told you how, she seemed to herself to have owed to this dear friend the ability to have painted them. It was a little cross she gave Marion, but she had hung on it a wreath of lovely rosebuds, meaning through them to convey to Marion how her love had made the cross of her suffering beautiful. As the vacation had commenced on the 23rd of December, and school did not begin again until the 5th of January, there was quite a time remaining after the excitement of Christmas had passed. The more scholarly and industrious of the girls remaining at the academy at once applied themselves to making up whatever deficiencies had occurred in their studies. Marion found plenty to do, not only for herself, but also for Nellie, whose lessons had necessarily run behind during her illness. The Fräulein found them together over their books, much oftener than she thought was for their good. Having been thoroughly educated in the German methods of teaching, she was a firm believer in vacation benefits, also in muscular training, which she considered quite as essential for girls as for boys. In her imperfect English, and also by personal illustration, she had tried, ever since her connection with the school, to awaken the teachers, Miss Ashton in particular, to a greater sense of its importance. To be sure, there was a gymnasium in the building, and a regular teacher who faithfully put her pupils through the exercises commonly allowed to girls. But these seemed to the Fräulein to be only a beginning of what might be done. So, now, finding herself for a time in sole authority in the school, she at once, as soon as Christmas was over, began to put her girls through what she considered so essential to their health. She made her first attempt upon Marion and Nellie, finding them both bent nearly double over their books, Nellie very pale, with dark rings under her eyes, and Marion with flushed cheeks and two bright eyes. She at once routed them from their books, made them stand up before her, and said, Now do, and her English word failing her, she drew a long breath from the bottom of her chest and motioned to them to imitate her. Marion, never having attempted anything of the kind before, did so partially, and Nellie could only produce something that sounded like a gurgle in her small throat. The Fräulein shook her head impatiently, and repeated the process over and over again, Marion gaining a little every time, but Nellie soon discouraged and tired. Bar, bar, nicht right, aushauen, tief, 
So, thus. Deep breaths from the Fräulein. Then, seemingly suddenly to remember that the girls did not know why she made the request, she tried, in an anglicized German, which no one could by any possibility have understood, to explain it to them. She tapped her own head, took up a book, appeared to read it, while she moved the leaves in time with her long inhalations and exhalations. Bon scholars, long so. Then suddenly she said, Peshinta, and vanished from the room. In a few minutes the corridor was full of noisy girls who came direct to Marion's room, and in obedience to the Fräulein's directions arranged themselves in a circle. They had only the vaguest idea what they had been called for, but they knew the Fräulein always gave them a jolly good time, and came willingly. Merry enough they were for the next hour, and much to the Fräulein's surprise, for they were quicker than German girls, they made so much progress that after the second lesson a plan that was to tell much in future for the well-being of the academy was fully developed. The Fräulein drew up a paper in German, in which she detailed not only the benefits physically resulting from her system of deep breathing, but also the help it would be in resting her excited nerves with which so many of the young girls came into the recitation room. Then, before presenting it to Miss Ashton, she roused the enthusiasm of her class by telling them how much she needed their help, as examples of the great good to be derived from her gymnastics. And the result was that when they had not only the amusement of the exercises to help them pass the vacation, but also the benefit resulting from it, and the hope that through them it would become a part of the school life. When Miss Ashton returned, she was not a little surprised at the gain she so quickly recognized, nor was she slow in availing herself of its aid. She had always felt that nothing was more necessary for a good working head than a perfect physical balance and for that reason she allowed and encouraged a greater amount of amusement, which was relaxation from study, than was common in what is called a finishing school. It was almost the only boast in which she indulged that during the twenty years of her care of the academy as principal, she had never had a case of fatal sickness, or indeed of any severe enough to excite alarm. During the fall she obliged the girls, as long as the weather would allow, to spend hours every day in the open air giving them their choice of exercise, walking, riding, boating, botanizing, geologizing, any and everything that would bring to them rest and change. In winter there was dancing in the large hall, there were compulsory gymnastics, there were skating on the pond, coasting on the hills back of the academy, or, not so seldom as it might have been supposed would be the case among girls, snowballing in the most approved boy fashion. Indeed, once upon a time it was reported that, having come out, as she generally made a point of doing whenever any amusement was going on, to witness the sport, a girl, more audacious than any of the others, ventured to throw a snowball in the direction of her august person, and it was received with such a merry laugh that another followed, and another, and another, until she was as ermine-covered as if she were dressed for a court reception, and not a girl among the laughing crowd but loved her better and respected her more. My best recitations, she was often heard to say, come after the best frolics. Give me pupils with steady nerves, bright eyes, and sweet clear voices, and I will show you a school where they study well, and the deportment is of the best. 
I am never so anxious about my girls as when the weather shuts them indoors and the cold makes them want to hug the radiators. It was on account of the good common sense by which this method of regulation was carried on that the school was sought far and near. To this, in a great measure, it owed its success. The gymnastics teacher, already employed, was a good one for the old methods. But there was something so inspiring in the Fräulein's enthusiasm on the theory of long breaths that Miss Ashton made it at once a part of daily practice and put her in as teacher for those classes. Watching the result of the experiment, it took Miss Ashton but a short time to satisfy herself as to its immediate benefits. And as for the girls themselves, they were so amused and strengthened by the lessons that after a little practice it became a favorite diversion and you would find them often in merry groups inhaling and exhaling perhaps not in exact accordance with the frulein's rules but going at least in proportion to their enjoyment as for the frulein a very happy and proud teacher she boastfully declared herself End of chapter twenty eight